Welcome to Dealmaker Diaries, where you hear directly from the dealmakers who you invest with. M&A, real estate syndication, and more. Strap in for unparalleled advice, wisdom, and insight from some of the world's best business minds with Don Thomas and G1C Group. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Dealmaker Diaries. Today, we have with us Matthew Botzell. Matthew is a former host of Real Estate Journeys, a top 400 business podcast, and is a real estate investor with a portfolio of 743 units and four years of asset management experience. With his vast experience in podcasting and real estate, he founded Elite Podcast Bookings, a company that specializes in helping real estate investors attract more capital and become thought leaders. So let's give Matthew a warm welcome to the show. Let's go. Hey, Matthew, welcome to the show. Nice to, nice to see you. Donald, always a pleasure to speak with you, my friend. Yeah, likewise, likewise. So, Matthew, um, before we get started, why don't you um, introduce yourself to the listeners and tell us a little bit about yourself and what you have going on right now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, let's see. So, I mean, we're, we're chatting a little bit uh, off air, but you know, currently you're in Japan. I'm in Chiang Mai, Thailand. Um, right now, my primary focus is I'm the CEO and founder of Elite Podcast Bookings, which basically helps specialize in real estate professionals and real estate investors basically scale their brand by going on other people's podcasts and leveraging their platforms and helping them attract more deals, capital, and basically help build their brand. Um, so before that, um, short backstory, I left the States back in 2016, traveled the world, um, fell in love, got married, came to Thailand, and then I wanted to get involved in multifamily. So I basically... Was like, well, how do I get involved in multifamily real estate when I'm halfway around the world? I basically got in bigger pockets, started networking, uh, started a uh, remote um, mastermind or digital meetup, whatever you want to call it. And that lasted about two or three months. And I had anywhere from six to eight people um, attending. It wasn't anything crazy, but one person that basically was involved in the story, um, they saw what I was doing, saw my progress. Then they connected me with the CEO of a company that I was working at, a private equity company. And it was basically ground up uh, private equity real estate. And I started doing some stuff for free, started helping with underwriting, started basically doing marketing, started basically just adding value to the company. And then over time, I became partners on the deals. Now I have 700 and 700 plus units in my portfolio. And I just recently decided to transition to... Uh, the elite podcast bookings and try and scale the business from here. So long whirlwind there for you, but um, yeah, that's where I'm currently at. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. And I think that's, um, that's how we met through your elite podcast bookings. Um, you've brought many guests to this show as well. So I think you're doing a great job there. For sure. So, Much appreciated. So why don't we dig in and talk about um, a little bit about um, capital raising for deals. Yeah. You've worked in that scenario. So what would you say were the, we wanted to talk about the four habits of highly successful capital raises, as we know, that's probably yeah, yeah, for sure. a very so, I mean, important if, part if, of the deal. Everybody knows like in the current state, right? 
basically real estate is almost like a good old boys club, right? It's a networking club. It's like it moves slow. It's about shaking hands and kissing babies, right? So the old way, right? The analog way would be <clears throat> you attend this conference basically in person, right? So the new digital way is basically using other people's or using platforms or other people's platforms or using some form of media to help exploit and grow your brand. So you, Donald, you have a podcast, which is great. And you're reaching, you know, hundreds and thousands of people uh, per episode, right? And you were just talking, hey, maybe, you know, moving down the line, you want to do uh, one podcast episode a week, you want to do two podcast episodes. So if you're, let's just say on average, you're doing a thousand podcasts or thousand downloads per episode. And now all of a sudden you're doing four episodes. Well, now you have 4,000 listen, listeners per episode coming to your platform. Let's say you did two, or let's say you grow your audience or you triple your audience. So if people are wanting to basically attract more capital, right? Which the, everybody obviously does in the real estate industry. One way to do it is through the digital form of media, right? And that's yeah. basically going on other people's podcasts. And the example I just gave before, if you're going on two podcasts, other people's podcasts, minimum a month, you do that for 12 years, or not 12 years, I'm sorry, <laughs> 12 months, you do 24 podcasts, right? That's, let's say you're on Rod Khalif's, you're on uh, Whitney Sewell's. These are bigger tier podcasts. They average around 50,000 downloads per episode. Now, oh, and just if you went on those two podcasts uh, for one month, you've already listened, already been exposed to 200,000-ish people, right? Already that have listened to your story, heard who, heard who you are. And, you know, with the digital form of media, right? People need to like you, know you, and trust you. And that's one of the things that you're doing is establishing yourself with a digital footprint. As much as people like you, they might not invest with you because they hear you one time. But if they hear Donald twice, they hear you last week. Oh, he's about to have a two-year anniversary, like with his podcast. Like these are things that you cannot fake. You cannot fake credibility. You cannot fake your audience. You cannot fake your views. You cannot fake your downloads. So you know this is one of the ways that basically people are smart, smart people that are wanting to leverage their time and be exposed to more people. The digital way is one of the best ways to go. Okay, excellent. And what, what are some of the other things that uh, capital raises could do to bring in? Yeah, more, yeah. So uh, one, of the, one of the other things is as far as is, is being consistent, right? Mm -hmm. So when you are going the digital route, you're basically establishing, you, you're basically establishing 10x, if you want to say, your network, right? So you develop relationships with people and when you're on the podcast, people will reach out to you. They'll get into your sales funnel. They'll be in your newsletter. And so one of the things about being going the digital in the digital economy, right, is you need to have consistency. So you don't want to be the guy like, oh, great. You got a property uh, in Austin. You got that in uh, May of 2020, right? And they're on your distribution list. Like, oh, like Donald, we want to be with him. He's hot. We like, we like seeing his new deals. Even if I'm not going to invest in your deal in May of 2020, like maybe I will in July or December or the following year. But people that constantly have healthy deal flow and consistency, right? You're, they're more likely and more susceptible to be uh, and take action and invest with you. Like American Express says, they have to have seven different touch points 
before they actually interact with your product. That's why when you go to the mail, you're like, oh, American Express, I got this card. Like, I don't want this. You keep throwing away the mail, you keep throwing away MasterCards, whatever those little spam things are, because they know after seven times, you're more, le- you're more susceptible to take action, right? So basically having consistency, right? Having your, having your colors uh, match across the board, having your logo be sharp, uh, sending out your newsletter on time, whether that's on the 15th, the 20th, or it's two days a week or one or two times a month or once a month, uh, basically having consistency, right? So if you have the consistency and over time, you'll have more deal flow and you will be able to provide that to your investors, which will present them with more opportunity to make more money. And if they do invest and then they do make more money and then you do have more deal flow, then they're more likely to invest with you. It's like a cyclical cycle, right? People want, people want to be on the, the, the ground up, right? People want to be like, oh my God, like I rode the coattails of Donald Thomas Oh, I remember when I was on the podcast episode five and now he's, you know, top 10 podcaster. Well, that was so cool. Nobody wants to be on the downward trajectory of a plane. Like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. When something's going bad, everybody's jumping off. Like, I don't know that guy. Like, right. <laughs> I, 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 I lent him, uh, whatever, you know, like, I'm, we're not friends, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so if people are, if people are on the up and up, right, you're getting new deals, you're attracting the deal flow, your subscribers count your subscriber count is increasing, your downloads are increasing. And, you know, a lot of people, we always do this, right? We measure ourselves to other podcasters or other family members or other people within our industry or colleagues, right? But it's like, hey man, if last week you averaged 500 downloads and next month it's 510 and then the next month it's 600, right? It's gradually, then suddenly. But there's that crossing the chasm that most people don't get to. And it's difficult for a reason because if it was easy, everybody would be successful and everybody would be doing it. So it's a testament to your character that you have almost reached reached 200 podcast episodes, right? And you have probably seen a lot of success from now or now until previously of two years ago. Like it's completely different. You speak different, you act different and everything. So I would say consistency across the board, and that will basically help you attract more uh, capital deal flow, et cetera, and, green, and gain credibility. Okay, good stuff, good stuff. All right, so now, I mean, I, I want to spread, um, I want to gain more exposure. So I'm going on different podcasts, like you mentioned, um, Hunter Thompson, Rod Khalif, Grant Cardone. So what are some things I should never be doing as a podcast yep. guest? Or I so I would say, doing? I'll say basically, I'll just start with, the alt- well, okay, I'll start with some some uh, softballs here. So one thing you should be doing, right? Think about it. So if, if, if this is the digital economy, right? So vice versa, we'll go to analog. You're at a conference. Guy walks up to you. He's in a disheveled suit, uh, five o'clock shadow. Maybe he's out at the bar or maybe you saw him at the, the bar in the lobby for a little bit. Smells like whiskey, whatever. It's a bad first impression right? So you're like, ah, you're already kind of like, I don't want to talk to this guy. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. So first impressions, if you think of it in the real world. Now, if you think of it in the digital media space, right? So people are going to be listening to this podcast episode. Does he have, does he have high quality, uh, does he have high quality visuals, right? What does his background look like? Is it disheveled? Does he have a, does he have a green screen? Is he at his house? Does his background look messy? Does his camera look good? Does his lighting look good? Does he look professional? right? How does this sound quality sound? I mean, how many times have you seen somebody who you thought 
was going to be professional. And then you heard them or you saw them on YouTube and they're like, Oh, today, like, I don't have my headset. And it's like the, the host sounds like a rock star. And then the, the, the guest sounds like he's talking out of a tin can, right? You're automatically like, ah, oh, like you're automatically miscombobulated, right? Yeah. So having good audio, having good visual, having a good background, being professional, right? Showing up on time, sending follow-ups, thanking people for their time. Uh, you know, basically you want to be easy to work with, right? You, it, it, it's, these are very simple things, but, you know, most people don't necessarily do them. And then I would say the big thing is, is your call to action, right? So at the end, at this podcast or other people's podcasts, I might say, hey, you know, what's the best way to get in contact with you? And people say, hey, uh, yeah, Donald, thank you for your time. You know, I really like talking real estate. You can find me at uh, on LinkedIn. I'm also on Instagram. I'm also, uh, here's my email and here's my phone number, right? It's like, oh my God, Instagram, phone number, LinkedIn, like what? <laughs> Where do I go to contact this guy, right? So having a clear, concise call to action with scarcity in it and adding value. So you could say like, hey, go to elitepodcastbookings.com, schedule an appointment, enter the promo code Donald, and you will receive 50% off for your first month for the first two people to reply to this email. Clear, concise, call to action. So I would say everything I said before, have, have a or be, as far as like the professional audio, professional video, have a, have a good messaging, right. And then have a strong call to action. So these are what people usually don't do. So those are things that you should avoid having bad video, having bad audio and a bad call to action. Okay. Good stuff to go on. And in your, in your experience um, in real estate, what are some unusual ways you've seen people leverage their, their real estate business? Um, well, I would say parlaying that into cryptocurrency in the sense that Bitcoin mining is very huge, right? And so people are right now, they're basically chasing yield, right? So bond rates are starting to slowly increase, but, you know, hedge funds, uh, if you're, if you're talking like pension funds, you know, basically they have to hit a certain threshold. So if they're doing the 60, 40 or however they're allocating their capital, right. They're basically chasing yield. Well, if yield is getting harder and harder to find people now that are capital raisers that are raising money for multifamily um, are starting to raise funds for Bitcoin mining farms, which basically they generate the Bitcoin. They they create the Bitcoin and then they sell the Bitcoin and then they basically pass the fiat gains on to their investors. So that is a non-traditional way of you want to think of like, well, if I'm getting into real estate, how would I get into cryptocurrency? Like, so basically people are starting to realize that, you know, with Bitcoin mining farms, they're a great revenue stream consistent. And that would be an un untraditional way that people are basically using their real estate business to help generate capital from their investors and parlay that into the cryptocurrency space. Okay. Yeah. Very interesting. Any other ways that stand out that you've seen recently um, or, you know, I, I think, I think just in general um, more so now than ever is people are becoming more, <clears throat> more open to 
alternative ideas of investing, right? So whether it's multifamily, uh, self-storage, uh, new development deals, uh, buying uh, M&A, mergers and acquisitions, of buying companies that cash flow, car washes, um, laundry, laundry mats. I think people are more open to that because if people are looking, right, all this money is floating around in the economy. People are looking to place their capital into things that are cash flowing and that are going to preserve their wealth. So I think more so now than ever, people are open to that idea as opposed to even like three or four years ago, right? People be like, oh, yeah, car yeah. washes, like yeah, self-storage, maybe, right? I mean, people were more, more focused probably primarily on uh, multifamily, right? And then now self-storage is, is uh, starting to gain some traction. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. All right, good stuff. And um, and going back to the podcast a little bit. So, how did you end up building building your business with Elite Podcast? How how did you get into it, and how did you build your yeah? Team? So you about that. Yeah, good good question. So, um, <clears throat> I used to have a real estate podcast called Real Estate Journeys, and I had about 114 episodes. Uh, I believe it ran for a little over a year, maybe like a year and a half. I'll say. Um, and I had a bunch of people coming on, pitching me to be on podcasts. Uh, I was going on other people's podcasts. Right. And I saw that there's just, it was just basically done very sloppily in a bad fragmented kind of way. And I thought I could, I could, I could do way better than this. Like I could start a company, right? Like I could start a company. It'd be way better than this. It would be way, distract. it would help a lot more investors and I could do it. And so I thought, well, well, hell, why don't I just try this real quick? So I, I created a minimum viable product. I gathered some emails, created a one-page website, sent out a sent, created quickly created a distribution list, sent out some uh, feelers as far as like starting the company, and immediately I got two or three customers, and I was like, whoa, okay, <laughs> like I don't even have a full-blown business now, and people are willing to pay me money. I was like, all right. So then I scrambled. To basically get it up and running and some of those clients have been with us uh since day one so uh that's how i i, I started that in the middle of COVID as well like may 2020 so i was thinking like mm -hmm. hey what what do i really have to lose i did i didn't want to invest um i didn't want to invest heavily in something right because everybody's like you know cash sensitive doesn't want to lose a lot of capital so i was like all right i'm gonna create something very small and if i see some traction in it i'm going to try and start uh you know, pushing the gas down and accelerating it and creating the business and, and, and it's grown up over the years. And now, like I said, I've just recently, you know, transitioned in, into this being my full-time uh, career path. So um, yeah, that's kind of how I decided to, or how the company was created. All right. Yeah. And your team is very um, efficient and thorough and professional as well. I mean, I love working with you guys. Yeah. And, and then that's one of the things though, too, it's like, the, 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 if you want to say like the taste in the mouth of the feeling of the business, right. It's like, Hey, like if I gave that example of walking up to the guy that's disheveled in, in, uh, at the, at the conference. Right. But mm -hmm. if you're, if you're meeting people online or you're having interactions with, you know, managers and people that are within our company, right. I always like to say that like, we're one of the best professional, like on time, like we're, we're there for you. Right. We help you through the whole process. We send thank you letters, really hold your hand from a to z okay yeah you do you really do all right very good very good so let's hop into the lightning round real quick before i let you off and 
For sure. You're pretty busy. So Matthew, what, what book or books have greatly influenced your life? Um, what books have greatly influenced my life? Uh, I would say the magic of thinking big was, uh, I think I want to say the last guy's name is Schwartz. I can't necessarily remember has greatly influenced my life. And I would say, um, the, uh, alchemist, the alchemist okay. by Paulo yeah. Coelho, Paulo yeah, Coelho. That- I, I go with Paulo Coelho, the alchemist greatly yeah. influenced my life. Yeah. That's a great one. I love that one as well. Yeah. Okay. And how has a failure or perceived failure actually allowed you a greater success later? Well, when I left the United States in 2016, I attempted to move to Germany and I thought I wanted to move to Germany. And when I got there, uh, it was cold, it was rainy, it was like 17 degrees. And this was in July. And then I had to jump through a lot of hoops to basically live there. And then it got to the point where my visa was kind of running out. And then I was thinking, well, do I even want to move here? Like I I basically got rid of everything, thought I was going to come back to America like in a year you know, and just be better off. And then I'm like thinking, okay, like what's my next move here? And then I basically traveled the rest of the world, wound up in Thailand, got married, got a job in private equity halfway around the world in America. Like you can't connect the dots looking forward. You can only connect the dots looking back. And if I never would have up and left and attempted to move to Germany, I wouldn't be where I'm at today talking to you. So the failure of attempting to move to Berlin, uh, has fast-tracked my life to today where it is currently. Yeah, I hear such similar stories to other expats I meet living around the world. I think a lot of people actually, oh, why why did you want to live in Japan? But I think, I mean, my, my highlighted answer is just, just living abroad just gives you a much wider perspective and just makes you such a better person, I think, in my opinion. For sure. It makes you, it makes you more well-rounded too. Like yeah. uh, the, the farther, the more removed you are from something, the more likely you are to formulate your own opinions and question everything that you've ever done, whether it's good or bad. And, you know, when you're in it, it's kind of hard to see outside of have an outside perspective and it just, yeah, it makes you more well-rounded. Like you said. Yeah, absolutely. And as you said, I mean, if I, if I had never moved to Japan, I wouldn't be in the position I'm in today and I wouldn't be sitting there talking to you either. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. definitely. Touche. All right, great. So um, what's a habit or routine that you love? Uh, a habit ooh, that I, I like this one. I like this one. I like coffee in the morning. I just, I just mm-hmm. love, I love waking up, going downstairs. I like it quiet. I like kind of the lights, like kind of dim, just going down there, doing my thing, waking up, making my cup of coffee, eating a good breakfast, you know, reading the paper, reading some books, hopping on social media, answering some emails, and just silence. I just like yeah. the silence and having my cup of coffee in the morning. It's just, mm, there's something about it. I, and this morning <laughs> I got it in, in a mug talking to yeah. you. But uh, yeah, I'd say about coffee and just like my morning routine of waking up and the silence and peacefulness of the morning. It's very nice. Okay, good, good. And um, you mentioned um, one of your favorite books, The Magic of Thinking Big. Mm-hmm. So to that point, what is, what's your favorite place to think big? Do you have a favorite place you like to go to when you want to think big? I would say that, um, some of my best ideas 
have popped in my head when I'm on a walk, I'm at the gym or I'm driving. And I'd say those three places where I'm just like, and I, and I would say probably I do more. So walking, oops, hang on. My camera turned off. I apologize. No worries. There we go. Um, I would say that, um, you know, walking is probably my best place. I do that the most often and it just allows me to have clarity, get out, get some oxygen, get the blood flowing. And then, you know, something pops up in my head, something pops in my head. Sometimes I want to walk with headphones. Sometimes I don't, uh, but I find it very refreshing and I like going on walks. So I'd say walking is probably the best place I like to go. All right. Excellent. And um, what have you become better at saying no to? Ooh, uh, investments. <laughs> uh, before, you know, like in the past, you read these books or you read uh, articles or you read magazines and they say, hey, you know, invest in this ETF. You see it go up and to the right. You read some things. You think, hey, this is, this is in this article. Like, how could this be bad, right? And then over time, I've realized, like, I started questioning myself. Like, we're talking, removing yourself, being an expat. You question things, right? You question things more. And I'll be like, why am I invested in this? Like, this ETF has this, like, Amazon, Facebook, Netflix. Okay, cool. But... What do I know about? What do I know about the forward earnings? Do I listen to the, any of these quarterly calls for any of these companies? I'm like, no, no, I don't. Like, I don't know much about this. So I was like, questions like, why would I, why am I invested in this? What do I like about this? So I would say, uh, I've been a lot better about my investment thesis and what I invest in. Okay. Yeah. And it's definitely no shortage of deals out there, right? I mean, yeah. You see, they come from every, every direction. So yeah. Yeah. Definitely being selective is probably wise. All right, and last one, what important truth do very few people agree with you on? Uh, what important truth do very few people? That one always catches my, catches my guess. I will say this, okay? That Bitcoin is going to be the future of money. That's the one that I believe, that people don't believe, probably a vast majority, but they will in time. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people, especially now when they see it, um, they see a decline and they're saying, yeah, yeah, see, I told you guys. But yeah, as I see more and more Goldman Sachs, I mean, you see large companies, countries pouring money into it. I definitely think there's yeah, I mean, there. it's not going anywhere. So if you look at the underlying fundamentals, right, I mean, if you just want to say, like, look at housing, right? It's like, OK, well, housing, housing supplies are being constrained. Well, if the supplies if the supply is being suppressed and demand's increasing, what's going to happen to the price? It's going to go up. If they're not making more Bitcoin and the underlying fundamentals are increasing, institutional adoption is increasing, you know, gradually then suddenly, like if you, if you look at the S curve of technology, it's like before nobody had cell phones and then over three to five, whatever, seven years, 70 to 80% of the population, world population has cell phones, right? It wasn't yeah. like, Starting July 1st, 70% of the people are going to have this. So I don't know. I think, I think it's the, the future, and I think there's many good things to come. Yeah, it's funny. When I think back to 2007, I was, when smartphones were just catching on, I was like, who wants to send email on a phone? I'll, I'll never do that. 
Yeah. And now, yeah. now I can't leave the house without it. Right. So I, I, I remember in high school, I had the, the, the snake game on the Nokia. And I was like, <laughs> like, do, 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 do. And I was like this is so cool. Yeah. And then it's, now it's like, it's yeah. just completely gone another direction. Yeah. And smartphones. I mean, the, the, what was it? The Blackberry? Yeah, Blackberry. Blackberry. Yeah, the Blackberry. Yeah. yeah, the Blackberry was like the first like email thing, right? It was like the businessmen yeah. had the Blackberry. Yeah, like, and case oh. in point, case in point, you're like, what was it? The Blackberry? You don't even remember what it was anymore. Exactly, right? right? Yeah. I was like, the Blackberry, like, well, businessmen have emails. Like, I'm 14. Like, I don't think I need a Blackberry, but this game thing. Yeah, yeah and it, and, you know, and it's just like look, look at the trends, right? I mean, where are people moving to, right? They're moving to the Southeast United States. Like they're moving to Austin. Like, why are people moving there? They want to get out of California. They want to be treated better with taxes. And we're having this conversation. You're in Japan. I'm here like five, six years ago. There wasn't these kind of podcasts. It wasn't a di- right. digital economy. You know, why, 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 why is the, the Japanese yen consistently losing value pegged to the US dollar? Like, wouldn't it be nice if I had a pristine asset that I can go and offer you that you would completely accept? That's good in China, Japan, Australia, Tokyo, whatever have you. Like, that sounds nice. Why yeah. do we not have that? Exactly. We do have that with Bitcoin. Yeah. yeah. But, but until it catches mass adoption, I'm, I'm happy to transfer my money from US to here with that, with that weekend yen because I, I love doing it, right? Yeah. You can until something yeah. devastation happens and then they put a limit on your account and they could freeze it and say, Donald. We're going to put a hold on this for two weeks. And you say, no, I need to buy this property. They go, well, where did this money come from? Proof of funds. Do this, yeah. do that. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. You see more and more countries doing that with capital control. So for, for sure. sure. Yeah. All right. Very good, Matt. Very good. So if somebody wants to get in touch with you, they want to get more exposure and get on more port podcasts, what's the best way to reach out and um, contact yeah. with you? Yeah, for sure. So you can go to elitepodcastbookings.com. You can schedule a call. And if you would like a free month's worth of service, enter the promo code Donald and we will set up a chat and I'll look at your sales funnel. I'll help you look through things and we'll offer you one month worth of free service. Just enter the promo code Donald when you schedule the appointment. All right, excellent. And I can uh, definitely say this elite podcast and they do a great job at getting guests on. They bring me a lot of great guests as well. So much appreciated. All right, Matt. So great having you on. You have a good day. I'll be talking to you soon. Enjoy your weekend. All right, likewise, brother. Have a good one. All right, you as well. There you have it, guys. Another episode of Dealmaker Diaries in the books. If you enjoy and or find value in what we're doing, please do leave us a nice review. It goes a long way in keeping the show moving in the right direction. For you investors, if you're looking for places to put your hard-earned capital to work, Head on over to our website, g1cgrp.com, and sign up for our investor list to be informed of the different projects we're raising capital for that will provide you with the cash flow your investments so much deserves.